This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 11, episode 51. This is Writing Excuses, ensemble as subgenre with Lynn M. Thomas. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And we have special guest star, editor extraordinaire, Lynn M. Thomas. Hello, it's lovely to be here. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I am the co-editor-in-chief and co-publisher of the Hugo Award-winning Uncanny Magazine, as well as a member of the Verity Podcast Ensemble, uh, where six smart women from around the planet talk about Doctor Who and argue a whole lot. And you also have done anthologies, I believe? I have indeed. Uh, I have three nonfiction anthologies, one of which won a Hugo Award. Uh, it's called Chicks Dig Time Lords, because we do. And uh, I uh, also have done uh, a fiction anthology with my husband, Michael, called Glitter and Mayhem, which is, uh, it's nightlife and roller derby with science fictional elements, because why would you not? Why not? Of course. Awesome. So we spoke a couple weeks ago about ensemble as a genre, and we love this topic and we are happy to be back at it. We're going to be talking about ensemble as subgenre, meaning how do you take a story that is primarily doing something else? Say this story is an action adventure piece or a romance piece and add an ensemble element to it to add spice, to give you subplots, to maybe help you fill out, help you fill out your characters. <laughs> so I have been waiting for this since, since two weeks ago, which in, in our terms was five minutes ago. <laughs> Because we're recording these back to back, I realized as we were talking about uh, um, the sub the, the elemental genre of ensemble, and we kept talking about heists and heists and how they were a subgenre. But it's like no, they're not actually a subgenre of ensemble. Heists are uh, you know the, what what a heist is or not a subset. Yeah. What a heist is it's a thriller. Yeah, you're Plus, right. It's um, it's it's thriller mm-hmm. or mystery because sometimes thriller. the heist is how are they going to pull this yeah. off? Mm-hmm. What is yeah. it? What is what how, is going on? How will on? it go horribly yeah. wrong? How yeah. will it go horribly wrong? Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're you're absolutely right. And I got so excited by that because it suddenly made me understand why some heist things failed because mm. they they were not actually inserting the thriller element in. Or they had the thriller element, but then they didn't have the ensemble element in there. It's like, oh, and mm-hmm. now I want to go back and rewrite some things. Yeah, and that explains a lot about Ocean's 12, actually. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. The other thing we missed, which our audience kindly pointed out to us, that uh, all of us science fiction nerds up here forgot that the entire sports drama genre is ensemble, mm-hmm. uh, which I shouldn't have forgotten because I've studied it in order to use it in science fiction and fantasy quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and we talked a lot about Star Trek. Most of those episodes, I think, are primarily idea stories with ensemble as the sub. Yeah, I would agree. So let's talk about why would you add an ensemble to a story as a subgenre? Well, looking at idea stories in particular or, or exploration or, or whatever it is that you're doing... An ensemble can change the way in which that problem is solved. Here is a crazy idea that we want to explore. Well, if it's, you know, just one or two characters, they're going to look at it one way, or maybe two ways. An ensemble, they will have five or six different approaches to all solving that problem at the same time. 
And yeah, I think one of the challenges with uh, treating the ensemble, uh, the elemental ensemble, as a subgenre, is that it's inherently demanding. Uh, it, it's big. In order to get in, in order to get all those pieces in, you got to use a lot of words. You got to commit a lot of screen time, a lot of picture real estate. You have to do a lot in order to communicate that. Um, and so the temptation is, well, as long as I'm doing all this work, I might as well just make that the whole book. Well, I think one of the other things that you can take into account for Ensemble is that it can be very efficient for giving your main actors some time off. Um, mm-hmm. Doctor Who is a great example of this because every single story has a brand new ensemble that surrounds the Doctor and whatever companion he is traveling with. So you literally have a new ensemble every story. Therefore, you have a whole new way to solve problems every story. You have a whole new way to cause more problems every story. And you give the Doctor and the companion some time off. This was especially infamous in the early days of the series. In the 1960s, they would literally knock your your main character's unconscious for an episode or two, and then the ensemble would take over so that the actor who was playing the doctor or one of the companions could have a vacation <laughs> because they were sh- they were shooting 48 weeks a year. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, wow. 1960s Doctor Who was not for the weak of heart in terms of actually being an actor on that series. It was a ridiculous amount of work. That's like the early Star Trek stuff, too. But, but one of the things that I was thinking about, like when you were talking about giving your character a time off, I, I was thinking that, that that ties into something we've talked about a lot, that what people want is the familiar and the strange. And one of the advantages that inserting an ensemble into one of these other things is that you, you have your, you know, you may have your main character that you love, but having a different set of people that they interact with means that you've got the one familiar thing, and then each time they're interacting with another member of the ensemble, it is... It's a constantly changing mix and ratio of personalities, which means that you're getting the familiar and the strange kind of constantly all the way through. Well, and people ask me frequently, my students, how do you put everything together into a big story, right? How do you tell this novel? How do you tell a series? How do you do this? And it's occurring to me that one of the things that we do is we make an ensemble piece that we tell in little installments where we then tell a completed story of another subgenre or another elemental genre in a shorter amount of time. Uh, Star Trek's a great example of this, right? We are going to progress the story between these two characters a little bit, but we're going to solve this whole problem that's a, that's facing the Enterprise in this episode, and that allows you to tie all, an entire season together. Mm-hmm. while having a lot of little stories that are successful and triumphant and exciting, but also having through lines, which are your ensemble getting along together better and better. And that's something that works in romance literature as well. Um, I'm, I'm an avid romance reader in addition to reading SF, and one of my favorite uh, romance writer tricks is to introduce an ensemble in the first novel in a series, and each member of the ensemble, whether it's a family with multiple siblings or a group of friends who have determined that they're going to, say, take on the London season together and, and succeed and get themselves some husbands by gum, um, in either case, what happens is that one of the characters is the main focus of the story in terms of uh, their happy ending and their story. And then each subsequent novel, you have another member of the ensemble getting their own story. So it sort of becomes this wonderful thing where it's fanfic of the first novel <laughs> right. in each subsequent <laughs> novel because you love the ensemble in the first novel and you're like, I really want to see their story. And then you can because it's book two, book three, book four, and book five. Yeah. And everybody wins. I've seen this done a lot in teen and middle grade these days with these kind of giant 
um, mega series written by different authors and things like this that they'll stake out different books for different par- par- characters of the ensemble. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Um, another reason to use the ensemble uh, as a subgenre is if you are a horrible person and you're planning on killing them off <laughs> as part of your horror story. So the George R. R. Martin. And in the yes. beginning, mm-hmm. and in the, yeah, mm-hmm. in the beginning of um, oh, uh, for instance, the Devil's Only Friend, <laughs> where we create yeah. this fun ensemble of characters, and then through the course of the book, spoiler alert, begin mercilessly one by one. And and that's that's a very good point because a lot of horror and a lot of horror movies trick you by starting off as ensemble pieces. Cabin in the Woods starts off as an ensemble story precisely because we want you to love them and we want you to see, oh, look at these friends. I pretend I have friends. And then you lose <laughs> them one by one because the world is pain. Well, and, and the reason... That, <laughs> but the reason that you do that rather than killing off strangers mm-hmm. is because it raises the emotional stakes for the reader. Exactly. Well, it, if you're just killing people off at random who who you don't care about as characters, there's no emotional impact whatsoever. Right. Whereas, you're less you likely know, to get caught. Then you're just a super <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, In terms of getting away with the actual murder, it is far more effective to have it be completely random. However, if, if that is not your goal, but your goal is to traumatize your reader, then really what you want to do is raise the stakes by killing off characters that are beloved, and I'm just going to stare squarely at George R. R. Martin yeah. once again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead He's and totally stop. sitting in the audience right oh, now. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Let's I did just see someone look around just in case. <laughs> <laughs> nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's stop for our book of the week. Um, Lynn, you have a book that you've been loving that you wanted to pitch to everyone. Yes. Uh, my book of the week is the one that I started yesterday, and I'm and I'm I'm being good in doing my critiques and not reading more of it yet, but I'm going to. Uh, I am reading Heroin Complex by Sarah Kuhn, which is uh, a story about two best friends and Asian superheroes and loyalty and right now we are in the assembling an ensemble phase of the novel so it ties into this week's theme as well and I'm enjoying the heck out of it it's set in San Francisco it, everybody's got superpowers it's a lot of fun one more time title and author Heroin Complex by Sarah Kuhn excellent alright so Mary you look like you have something to say <laughs> So we were talking about the the reasons to to do this, uh, and and one of the things that it occurred to me was that writing excuses is actually a very good example of an ensemble show. We are we are an, a combination of ensemble and education. Mm. Um, but the reason that ensemblecation ensemblecation <laughs> TM yes we have totally who's trademarking okay. Um, 
So, but the, the thing, the advantage that it gives us is that it gives us multiple perspectives, which is useful if you're doing issue, uh, as we were talking about, to avoid keeping it from becoming polemic. But it also means that you do not have to have a character become a Mary Sue. Your character does not have to be unbelievably good at everything in order well, to accomplish. Well, Howard is a little bit of a Mary Sue out of us, I think. Yeah. I, I'm a Mary Robinette. Does that count? <laughs> it's close. Um, I, I actually had a, a bit of a revelation sitting here thinking about... But I wasn't about, finished. Uh, you're not? Then please please go ahead. As I will demonstrate. Fine. Because it also gives you built-in conflict. Okay, now... <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> that actually segues perfectly. So, I, I've been thinking about Firefly, which we talked about as an ensemble. And I think in contrast to Star Trek, Firefly, for the most part, is primarily ensemble. I think that's the main genre. And what they're doing is they're saying, look at these characters, look at the ways that they fit together, and more importantly, look at the ways that they don't. But then there are three or four episodes where they flip over into heist. And that is where they are thriller primarily with ensemble as the sub. And they use those episodes as a way of saying, when we need to, we can all come together. And the teamwork works. And it solidifies that group and their friendships and their roles. And so the ensemble serves a very specific purpose as subgenre in that sense. Oh, absolutely. Out of Gas in particular is there to, to create an emotional high note in terms of the bringing of that team together and the demonstration of their unity. I mean, there's, there's, the big red button has a massively important purpose in the, in the entire series, um, and, and it's a wonderful thing. Ensemblication.com is available as of this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and as 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 uh, as the rest of the crew was doing their thing, um, the domain search guy was over here in the corner <laughs> looking it up. That's I'm looking at power. you, oh. and you've like got this smile on your face, like I'm, oh, he's got something brilliant. He gets that smile. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> It's just good to finally know what Howard's specialty is on the podcast. Oh. Oh. So, so fundamentally, you are the villa in this Blake 7 team. <laughs> like four people got that. <laughs> okay. So, parting words on Ensemble. Any advice on doing it right rather than doing it poorly, particularly as a subgenre? Take the things that... We've, I mean, we talk so much about, uh, you know, show, don't tell, don't do the maiden butler thing. Those kinds, of, those kinds of problems that you can run into anywhere else in your work are especially problematic when you are introducing the members of your ensemble. The compressed storytelling where you show us them being competent, being friendly, being characters, being whatever. Uh, getting that bit right, I think, is, is, for me, it's the most important part. Right, Get, and making them work together. Yeah, I would agree 100%. Yeah, I, I would say that making sure that the characters are well-rounded and developed, but with the caveat and warning that just because you have figured out the character's backstory does not mean that the character's backstory has to play a role in the story. It's just going to affect how the character perceives and attacks their problems. One of the reasons why Mistborn didn't work as an ensemble, and it works on as many other things, was that I made several of the characters too multi-capable. Multi and I would say, when I, when I approached the second Mistborn series, I said, I really want to do an ensemble this time. And I, one of the things I decided was, I, I'm going to back off on the power level of characters so that I can have the specialists work. And so that would be my suggestion. Whatever you're doing, it's going to be hard to do an ensemble if your, char your, your main characters can do too much, which... 
you can still tell that kind of story, but it's not going to be an ensemble the same way. I think so, one of the other important things to do is to make sure that your all of your characters have inherent flaws that, that lend themselves to bad decision-making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because bad decision theater is how great ensembles happen. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's this podcast in a nutshell. <laughs> bad decision theater, I think, is our subtitle. Um, my, my quick piece of advice is going to be, you know, as you look at your, your main characters, your sub-characters that are part of this ensemble and you give them arcs, Give the ensemble itself an arc, whether it's the Avengers style, let's come together as a family, or, you know, the Firefly style, let's all just try to survive and, and, and not kill each other. You know, let, treat that ensemble as if it were a character. Give it an arc. Let it grow. Excellent. Well, Mary, you're going to give us some homework. Right. So since we are talking about ensemble as a subgenre, what I want you to do is look at some of the, the elemental genres that we have already discussed and see what happens to them if you introduce an ensemble into it. Like, if you introduce an ensemble into an issue, if you introduce it into a mystery or into a uh, thriller, what does it do to that story if you've introduced the ensemble? Excellent. Uh, We'd like to thank our special guest, Lynn M. Thomas. Thank you. Lovely to be here. We would like to thank our Writing Excuses Cruise members. And I'd just like to take a moment to say we have really enjoyed doing the elemental genres with you. We only have a couple more weeks left of the year. We will be doing a Q&A on Ensemble, but that will be the end of the elemental genres for now. And I will encourage you to get excited and get ready because we will be introducing the new season to you in a couple of weeks. 2017 is going to be pretty cool. Look forward to that, and you are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 